mean it. Just say, love is in the house today. Come on. How many of you know it's Valentine's Day? Amen. How many of you guys represented today? Let me see your hands. Ladies, how many of you guys represented? Let me see your hands. This is a sad. It's sad. It's sad. You, you know it's Valentine's Day. There's still time, man. Walmart's still got a couple flowers. Amen. There's still time to represent today. Hey, I thought I'd start out today a little bit different because today is Valentine's Day. So I, start, I thought I would start out with a little Valentine's Day trivia. Come on. Any, any Valentine's Day experts in the house today? We're getting ready to see right now in just a moment. I want to ask you a question and just a couple questions. And when I ask you the questions, I want to see if you know the answer to these Valentine's Day trivia. Here's the first one. How many Valentine's Day cards are exchanged every year? How many Valentine's Day cards are exchanged every year? If you said one billion cards, you would be right on the money. Come on, one billion cards. Let me give you another one. How much does the average person spend on Valentine's Day gifts? Now, come on. Now, ladies, this is going to help you to understand whether your man's love is cheap or whether it's for real. Come on, somebody. Amen. So how much money does the average person spend? $77 and some change. Come on. Ladies, anybody in the house? Amen. Here's another one for you. How many pounds of chocolate will Americans purchase during the days leading up to today, leading up to Valentine's Day? How many pounds of chocolate would Americans purchase during the days leading up to the 14th? If you said 58 million pounds, you would be right on the money. Last one. What group of women receives the most Valentine's Day cards each year? What group of women receives the most Valentine's Day cards each year? Year. Come on, how many of you know that's teachers? Amen. That's teachers. Any teachers in the house today? Come on, give them a hand. Doing such an amazing job. <laughs> teachers. Come on, how many of you remember in elementary school you used to have that little shoe box? Come on, decorate it up a little bit, cut the hole in top. Anybody tracking with me? Anybody remember those days? Kids come in, everybody drop a Valentine's Day card in. Come on, those were the good old days, as they say. Turn to somebody and just say love. Come on, just look at them and say love. How many of you would agree that love is one of the most powerful forces on the face of the planet? I mean, think about it. When you talk about love, I mean, we sing songs about it. We write about it. We talk about it. We declare our love. We pledge our love. We pronounce our love. Here's what we say when we find the right one. We say, I love you with all my... Come on, say that again. I love you with all my... Right, yeah, I love you with all my heart. And I begin to think about that this past week. And I begin to... What does that really mean? What does it mean to love someone with all your heart? And not only that, I'll carry it a step further. Probably the most important question is, who am I called to love with all my heart? So, so, so what does it mean to love someone with all my heart? But more importantly, who am I called to love with all my heart? And I think it's important for us to recognize this because the world we live in pumps their version of love into us. 
Culture has something to say about their version of love. And so sometimes if you're not careful, the only education you get on love, you find it through movies or Hollywood or even music. And so, you know, I begin to think about some, some, some titles of some music songs. And some of these titles I found kind of give some interesting theology as it relates to love. And so I got three of them for you. Here's the first title I run across. How can I miss you when you won't go away? Come on, that's the first one. Here's the second one. If the phone doesn't ring, you know it's me. Come on, anybody heard of that song? Here's the third one. I love this one. If you won't leave me alone, I'll find someone who will. Come on, interesting theology as it relates to different songs that the world is pumping into us. But listen to me today, guys. If we're going to talk about something so powerful that it literally has the power to change the world, how many of you think it's a good idea to get it from the right source? you got to get it from the right source. And the best source dealing with the topic of love that I know to go to is the Bible. Come on, the B-I-B-L-E, that's the book for me. And in the Bible, it talks so much about love. It tells us who we are to love, how we are to love. And so if you have your Bibles, turn with me or click to Mark chapter 12, verse 30. Mark chapter 12, verse 30. This is going to kind of be our theme verse for the series, if you will. And this verse is kind of centered around what I would call the greatest commandment. That's what Jesus was saying here. Mark 12, verse 30. This is the NIV version. Here's what it says. Love the Lord your God. And then here's that phrase again. With what? All your heart. Not just part of your heart. Not just kind of a partial kind of love. Not, not a love that's based on feelings. If I feel like loving you today, I will. But it says, love the Lord your God with all your heart. But I find it very interesting that the scripture doesn't stop there. So not only are we to love God with all our heart, but then what are we to do? With all of our soul, with your mind, with all of your strength. So again, what does that mean? Love God with all my heart. That's my passions, my desires, my soul. That's emotions, my being. That's who we are. My mind is my thoughts. My strength is my actions, my commitments. So at the end of the day, I am called to love God with all, with everything that I have. So today I thought what we do is just take a moment and talk to you about how do we love God with all of our heart. How do we do that? Because just saying it, just talking about it, just reading it, it kind of seems almost impossible, if you will. Like, like how, how can I do that? What does that really mean? What does that look like? But here's the thing you need to understand. It's not impossible to do. And so we're going to talk about that today. And so to understand how to love God with all of our heart, to do this in the right way, I want to look at someone in the Bible who started out with loving God with all of their heart, but somewhere along the line got it very wrong. And I want to just kind of learn from his example today. Because how many of you know when it comes to learning things in life, you either learn by example or experience. And how many of you know experience can be painful? So I want to learn from a guy by the name of Solomon. I want to learn from his example today. So when you look at 1 Kings chapter 3, 
And some of you may already know the story. First Kings chapter 3, you've got God basically giving Solomon a blank canvas. He's given Solomon a blank check. What does he say? He says, Solomon, ask me anything you want to ask me, son, and I'll give it to you. Come on, how many of you know that's a great day? Come on, that's a great day when God says, you got a blank canvas, you got a blank check. And you know the story. What does Solomon say? Solomon said, Lord, I just need you. I need you. I need your presence. I'm young. I'm trying to lead all these people. I need your wisdom, Lord. I need you. God says, Solomon, hey, because you didn't ask for all of the things of the world, I'm going to give you the wisdom, but I'm going to also give you the riches. I'm going to give you, you know, prosperity. I'm going to make you the wisest person to ever live. And because of that, Solomon was able to lead Israel into what was considered the golden years of, of the Israelites. They had a time of peace and prosperity and affluence. So this was in chapter 3. But by chapter 11, something happened in Solomon's heart. Let's read 1 Kings chapter 11 real quick. Starting at verse 1. King Solomon loved many foreign women. Look at verse 2. They were from the nations about which the Lord had told the Israelites. So here's God. Hey, you must not intermarry with them because they will surely turn your hearts after their gods. Nevertheless, Solomon held fast to them in love. Now, you understand what's going on, right? Here is the smartest guy in the world. And the reason why he was that smart is because God made him that smart. He's looking at God saying, God, I got this. I don't need you. It's okay. I know, God, you say I'm going to crash and burn if I go down this path. But, Lord, I'm all right. I got this. Watch what happens. Verse 3 This joker has 700 wives of royal birth and 300 concubines, and his wives led him astray. Two different chapters, same man, and two very different places in his life. In a matter of eight chapters, from chapter 3 to chapter 11, you've got Solomon starting out on point with the presence of God. Lord, I need you. I can't do this without you. I need wisdom. I need your presence. In essence, he was saying, Lord, I love you with all of my heart. And that's where he started. But where he ended was, I'm going to do things my way. I'm going to marry her, her, all of them. And listen, for him to be the most smartest guy in the world and to marry a thousand women, how many of you know that is a dumb idea? And all the men in the house said, Amen. Fellas, how many of you are struggling with the one you got? Don't raise your hand. Just look look at me. Look dead at me right here. It's Valentine's Day. We're praying for you. Amen. Here's my question to you guys today. How does this happen? I mean, how, how does this happen? How do you start out on point with the presence of God? I love you with all of my heart. And in a matter of eight chapters... I don't need you, Lord. I'm going to do things my way. I'm going to live life the way I want to live it. How does that happen? I mean, it's not like Solomon woke up one morning and said, I'm just going to ruin my life today. I'm just going to trash my relationship with the Lord and hurt everybody that loves me. You understand when you look at your life and you look at the steps that you've taken, have you ever had a season where you stepped back and said, man, how did I get here? 
How did I end up here? How did I let things get like this? I was on fire for God. I was passionate. I was serving the Lord. And now, I'm just in mediocre. This mediocre life. Just all this happening. Well, I believe there's something the enemy uses. And I want to give you three things that I believe the enemy uses. He used it against Solomon. He uses it against you and I to pull our hearts away from God. And it all starts with this. Number one, if you're taking notes, write this down. It starts with neglect. Neglect. God came in and God told the Israelites, He told Solomon, He said, Hey, don't marry outside of your faith because if you do, they're going to turn your heart. And what did Solomon do? He disregarded everything that God said. He said, Lord, I'm going to do things my way. He neglected God's command. And watch the end of verse 2. I want you to look at this word here. It says, nevertheless. Nevertheless. Notice that word there. Nevertheless, like in spite of. Like, God, everything that you've told me, all of the commands, everything that you're speaking right now, God, in spite of all of that, I'm going to do things my way. A nevertheless moment. And because of that, Solomon held fast to all of these women in love. Let me ask you something. You ever had a nevertheless moment in your life? God spoke something into your heart. God gives you a command. God gives you a call. You know the way God's called you to go. And you look at it and say, nevertheless. Like in spite of all of that. Do you understand? This is the starting point. And the truth is for all of us in here today, we all have a tendency to let the fire of God in our hearts go out. And so we start neglecting things. And we start neglecting things. How many of you know distraction comes in? You ever been distracted before? Just got this coming at you and that coming at you and this happening and that happening. And you live in a culture that just constantly bombards us with what about this and what about that. And you get distracted. And distraction always leads to laziness. Come on, get a little lazy in our spirit. And when we get lazy in our spirits, what happens? We stop praying like we used to pray. That Bible reading program you were on January 1, come on, new year, new me. Amen, it's going to be great, it's going to be wonderful. And you were tracking good, and you missed one day, and one day turned into five, and now you're like a month behind, and you've closed the Bible and said, man, what's the use? And you got this mentality that says it's all or nothing, but hear me today. God doesn't need a lot in order to do a lot. God took David and gave him five smooth stones and he dropped the giant with one stone. God doesn't need a lot in order to do a lot. So if you've got the mentality that says all or nothing, listen, get back in God's word. Get back in his presence. Begin to pray. Begin to read the scripture. But you got that attitude and you've got that neglect going and distraction and laziness and you've stopped praying and now your Bible readings hit or miss, mostly miss. And you know what happens after that? Your church attendance starts sliding. Man, I was on track. I was coming to the house. I was watching online. I was really dialed in. But now, just whatever. Listen, nothing ever improves with neglect. How many of you know if you don't take care of your body, you forfeit your health? If you sit around drinking sun drops and eating Twinkies all day long. Come on, anybody, any Twinkie lovers in the house, you could wave at me. It's okay, it's Valentine's, amen? If you do that all day, every day, how many of you know you're going to forfeit your health? 
If you go two years and don't change the oil in your car, come on, that little knocking noise you got going on, Come on, that little check engine light sitting there and you don't want to look at it. So you put a little tape on your dashboard. Is anybody where I'm at? Amen. Because you don't have the money to deal with it. Listen, if you ignore that long enough, your vehicle is going to break down. But can I tell you something? This is in every area of our lives. If we neglect relationships, if we neglect our children, if we neglect our marriage, nothing ever improves With neglect. I want you to consider something. I want you to consider explosion and erosion. Explosion and erosion. Same difference. Both of them have the same results. But two totally different ways on how it comes back. So an explosion is something, it it happens, it's immediate, it's right then. It just explodes and there's devastation everywhere. It's open, you see it. Erosion is something that takes place weeks, months, years. You wake up one day and the street that you used to drive on now is a big sinkhole in the middle of it. Why? Because there was something underneath the surface washing it away little by little by little. And you wake up and the devastation is there. So again, when you look at it, it's the same thing, but two totally different ways. Neglect is the process of erosion. When you neglect the presence of God, you neglect your family, you neglect your children. It's the process of erosion. Solomon neglected God's commands. And in the process, not only did he neglect, but then here's what happened as a result of that. Number two, he gave the enemy access. Access. When you neglect the presence of God, when you neglect the scriptures, when you neglect the house, then you give the enemy access. This is what happened to Solomon. 1 Kings chapter 11, verse 3. This guy's got 700 wives, 300 concubines. He neglected the commands of God. And as a result, he gave the enemy access into his life. Listen, when we cool down our passionate pursuit of the Lord and we neglect our relationship with Him, we give the enemy access into our lives. We open the door for the devil. And this is what happens to Solomon. And listen, if you don't shut the door on the devil, here's what's going to happen. Listen, all you got to do is leave the door crack one inch. Come on, turn to somebody and say one inch. You leave that door open one inch, you know what's going to happen? That old devil going to put that big toe in there. He going to put that knee in there. He's going to lean that shoulder in there. He's going to get that booty all up in there. And next thing you know, he's busted in your house. He's living in your room and there he is. And it all started because of the little crack you left in your life. Through neglect, the door for the enemy has been left open and you've given him access. You know, some time ago I heard a Haitian pastor telling a story about a rich man in his area that was selling a house for $2,000. Well, there was a poor man that wanted that house. The poor man only had $1,000. So they kind of worked out a deal and the poor man said, Listen, I'll give you $1,000. And the rich man said, I'll tell you what. I will sell you my house for $1,000, but the nail over the door, that's going to be mine. You can have everything in the house, but the one nail over the door, that's mine. 
The poor man said, sounds like a good deal to me. I won't never touch the nail. That's yours. So he's living in the house. Two years later, the rich man comes back and says, hey, I want to buy this house back. The poor man says, man, not going to happen. My family's settled. We're good. You don't No, You're not getting the house back. Well, immediately the rich man remembered the nail that was his. So he went out in the street and took a dead carcass of an animal, went and hung it above that nail, and left it there for weeks. Eventually the smell was so bad, it permeated through the whole house. The poor man had to give up his house and sell it back to the rich man because of the nail. Can I say this to you today? The enemy of your soul is looking for a nail. Just one nail. And if you give the enemy of your soul one peg of your life, he's going to turn and come in and hang all of his rotten, filthy garbage on the nail that he still owns in your life. If you're not careful, the little things will turn into the big things. When you neglect the presence of God in our pursuit of Him and seeking Him and serving Him, you give the enemy access into your life. Can I ask you something today? Is there a nail in your life that you're leasing out to the enemy? Is there an area in your life that you're not willing to give to God? Because I believe that we need to make sure our whole lives, loving God with all, give God every square inch that we've got. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 27 says, Leave no such room or foothold for the devil. Give no opportunity to him. We've got to be willing to give God everything we've got. So watch this. Through neglect, you give the enemy access. And when the enemy comes in and has access to your life, here's the third thing that happens, and that's toleration. You just begin to tolerate things. Tolerate things that in chapter 3 you would have never tolerated, but now you're in chapter 11. Now because of neglect, now because the enemy has access, now you're tolerating things. We see this in chapter 11, verse 4, Solomon's life. It says, Solomon, as he grew old, his wives turned his hearts after their gods. And watch this. And his heart was not fully devoted to the Lord his God. In a matter of eight chapters. In chapter 3, I love you. I'm serving you. I'm giving you my all. In chapter 11, he's tolerating He's tolerating things he would have never tolerated in chapter 3. Can I tell you something? The enemy had taken that nail and moved into his room and he's living with the enemy. And some of you may be in that same boat today and you may be saying, Well, pastor, at least the majority of my house is okay. But little do you know that little by little the enemy is gaining ground in your life. And one small compromise leads to another one and another one and another one. And now you're just living in it. You're just living this mediocre life. But hear me today. Jesus died not so that you can just have life, but you can have life more abundantly. 
Jesus says, I paid a high price to give you so much more. You've got to make up your mind today. I'm going to love God with all of my heart, and I'm not going to tolerate the enemy in my life. I'm not going to tolerate him in my marriage. I'm not going to tolerate him in the relationship with my kids. I'm not going to tolerate him in the relationship with my God. I'm not tolerating it. Why? Because 95% commitment is always 5% short. Wow. I saw you guys like running laps right there. I know you're on camera. It's all good. Amen. 95% commitment is always 5% short. Well, I'm committed to God 95%. It's amazing how the enemy of your soul will take that 5%, leverage it, and turn it into 15%. And 20% and 50% and 70%. God will not tolerate anything less than 100%. Jesus gave us his everything. And what is our response to the Lord in return? Lord, everything I have belongs to you. My resources, my talent, my job, my children, my family, my everything. It all came from you, God. And so, Lord, therefore, I want to honor you with everything I've got. Christ did not die for our partial commitment. He wants full devotion. Bow. That's another one. You guys missed it. Let me say that again. Christ did not die for our partial commitment. He wants our full devotion. Nothing in your life will change if you continue to tolerate. Can I ask you something? What areas of your life have you just settled in? What does the nevertheless in your life look like? God, I know you said this, and I know this is your command, and I know this is the way we need to go, but, but nevertheless, Lord, what does the nevertheless in your life look like? And for some of you in here today, for those of you listening by podcast, maybe you're saying, well, Pastor, I, I find myself in this cycle. I find myself in this place of neglect, this place of access, this place where... I'm tolerating things I I would never tolerate. I, I find myself in the cycle. And so my question is, how do I get back? How do I get back to loving God with all of my heart? Let me give you one point, one point alone. Here it is. How do I get back? You've got to fix your eyes on Jesus. You've got to fix your eyes on Jesus. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, what does it say? Fixing our eyes on Jesus. You understand Jesus is our fixed reference point. He is the one that never moves. He never changes. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. I've got to fix my eyes on Him. He is the pioneer, the perfecter of my faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. How do I get back? You need a reference point. Why? Because where I'm looking determines where I'm going. As long as Peter was looking at Jesus, he was walking on what everybody else was sinking in. But the moment he took his eyes off the reference point and started looking over here and looking over there and he got distracted and all of these things, he began to sink. You fix your eyes on Jesus because where I'm looking determines where I'm going.
Solomon had that moment in his life. Just a matter of eight chapters. Lord, I love you. I need you. Lord, I'm doing my own thing. But Solomon actually figured this thing out in the later years of his life. One of the last pieces of wisdom that Solomon would ever write to us. He's at the end of his life now in Ecclesiastes chapter 12 verse 13. This is Solomon. He says, now everything has been heard. What does he say? This is my final advice. You know what he's saying? If you don't get anything else I've said, you need to get this. Honor God. Obey His commands. This is the most important thing people can do. The only thing that ultimately matters in life is that we honor Him and obey His commands. That's it. And it's interesting because when you find yourself in that place where you're loving God with all of your heart, you you know what happens? There's something that happens in the heavens. 2 Chronicles chapter 16 verse 9 tells us what happens. For the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth. One translation says he's looking, he's searching. It's almost like in the dead of night, there is a spotlight from heaven and God is searching. He's looking. What's he looking to do? To strengthen those, what? Whose hearts are fully committed to him. God, I love you with all my heart. And in the midst of all of that, God says, I found them. There they are. And your strength comes up in your body. Strength you didn't even realize you had begins to come up inside of you. And I don't know about you, but I believe with all of my heart that God brought you here to be a part of this. So that God could use you in ways that are beyond your dreams, beyond your wildest imaginations. God could begin to do something in your life that only He could do. But you got to be willing to love Him with all. Come on, it's Valentine's Day. If your spouse is around you, why don't you look at them real quick and say, I love you with all my heart. Come on, look at them. Baby girl, I say, oh yeah, I... Girl, I received that. Hallelujah. Y'all go home in Jesus' name. I love you too, baby. Way back there in the back. Justin, I ain't looking at you, man. I'm looking above you, buddy. I love Misty with all my heart. Yes, sure, I do. I love my kids with all my heart. But there is one that has this and really a part that nobody else has and that's God because I have been willing to give my life for Him to say Lord I love you with everything have I had a nevertheless moment in my life? absolutely absolutely but in those moments and you got to track your life guys you got to watch it And if at any time you find yourself on this vicious cycle, you've got to focus them eyes back on Him. God, forgive me. I'm serving you. I'm worshiping you. 
Solomon got it right in the end. He had a nevertheless moment. He did some crazy things. Come on, how many of you know the grace and mercy of God is beyond our understanding? God brought him back in the end. So where are you? Stand with me all over the house. Come on, how many of you remember the hymn that Miss Olivia is playing right there? Have you picked up on that? Turn your eyes on Jesus. Turn your eyes on Him. Focus on Him. Look to Him. Regardless of what's going on in your life, regardless of what is going on in your heart right now, focus on Him. Maybe the the passion and the pursuit and and the fire that once burned, maybe it's kind of dwindled down. It's dwindled down. Come on, how many of you guys have ever had to heat with a wood stove? Thank you. Some of y'all hadn't lived. Amen. You ain't lived yet. Get you old drafty house. You know, put a little wood stove in it. And that fire inside of that thing feels so good. But there's always a moment where it starts dying down. Coals just kind of sitting there. They still got the fire in the coals, but it's not in the logs. And daddy used to say, he said, hey boy, go on around there. and Grab that thing. Stoke it up a little bit. You grab the poker and you start stoking it. And then there was this thing, I don't know what it was called, but it just, it blew air into it. And it was in the middle of that, you just begin to pump air into that thing. And all of a sudden, those coals and those embers that were red, all of a sudden, the flame comes back. And for some of us in here today, maybe listening by podcast, you know what you need? You need the breath of God to blow on the embers in your life. To blow on the embers again. To get the passion back. To get the love back. To get those moments where you just can't wait to get up in the morning and go spend time with Him. You can't wait to open up His Word and let salty tears run down your face. You can't wait to get in those moments. That passionate pursuit of Him where God, I'm loving you with all. All my heart. So if that's you today, if you're in that, if you're in that cycle of neglect, access, toleration, I want to pray with you today. Will you bow your heads with me all over the house? Father, we come before you today with our hearts open, our minds attentive to you. And Lord, we're asking to speak into our lives today and help us to hear from you. And so everybody's head is bowed, no one looking but me. This is just between you and God, and I'm just kind of looking on to a If you're in here today and you find yourself on any point, whether it's neglect, access, or toleration, if you find yourself in that place and you acknowledge it and you recognize it, I want you to look at me. Just make eye contact with me real quick. And put your heads down. Seize it. See that. I got you. I see it. I see it. Come on, I see you. I see you in the back. I see it. Father, in the name of Jesus. 
thank you for shining your spotlight on our hearts and on our lives and helping us to realize that, Lord, we find ourselves in this cycle that's pulling our hearts away from you. But Father, now we give you our hearts, we give you our lives, and we turn our eyes back to you. And we focus on you. And so Lord, right now, I pray that you would forgive us of our sins and cleanse us and help us, Father. Help us to make things right with you and to serve you, to worship you, to seek you. Lord, distractions are everywhere. But Father, today we make a commitment to turn our eyes to you and to live for you. In Jesus' name. Everybody in the house said amen. Come on, give God a big... I I understand that for those who are in here, those that are watching online, I understand that there may be some that don't have that real dynamic relationship with you. And my prayer is that today would be their day. They would call out to you. Maybe there's some Lord that once had that relationship and maybe they've walked away from it. Lord, let today be the day that they go all in for you. In Jesus' name. Let me just ask you right now where you are. Would you just bow your heads with me? Let me ask you a question. Can you honestly say right now that you've got a real dynamic relationship with God? That you're loving God with all of your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. You're loving God with all of that. If not, I want to give you an opportunity right now from where you're standing, right there from where you're watching, to say, I'm ready to go all in. I'm ready to go all in. If that describes you, would you just be willing to slip a hand if you're in the house today? Just slip a hand. Say, Pastor, that, that's me. That's me. No more games. Let's go all in. Those of you watching online right now, you say, man, I'm ready to go all in. I, I want to make that decision today. Listen to me. Let's pray a prayer together. We do it as a family. Can we just pray it out loud today, guys? Just say, Father, I am a sinner in need of a Savior. And Father, I believe that you died on the cross and rose the third day. Lord, today, I surrender my life to you. I give you my everything. I'm going all in for you. Father, wash me clean. And help me to be everything you've called me to be. In Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, church. Give God a big hand clap of praise all over the house today. Come on, turn to your neighbor and say, you needed that. You needed that. Turn to the one you didn't want to talk to and say, yeah, you too. Amen. You too. Guys, thank you so much for being here today. Hey, don't forget tonight at 6 o'clock, from 6 o'clock to 7 o'clock, we're going to have our time together. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be great. It's going to be a lot of fun. Our kids are going to really have a great time. Got the beekeepers coming in. We're separating kids and students, and that's going to be a great time as well. Again, if you did not register, there's still time to do that. And if you say, Pastor Man, I don't know nothing about computers. Just show up. Amen. We'll know who you are. But anyway, just show up. 
up. We're here for you. We love you guys. We appreciate you so much. Now, for those of you that are new, we dismiss in a little bit different way, if you will. So if this is your first time here today, again, thank you. And so what we're going to ask you to do is walk out those double doors to the VIP banner out there. Go out there, turn in that card, and we've got a free gift for you. For the rest of you guys, you know what we do. We go out this door or either that door. You also notice we didn't take up an offering today. We've got two high top tables in the back. There's some baskets there. If you have not had an opportunity to give online, you can certainly drop something off in those baskets. But anyway, we're going to start with this section right here. Guys, I love you. Be blessed. We'll see you soon. section right here. Love you guys and appreciate you. I've got a package for you. All right, last but not least, Brian.